0: So glad to have you here with us this morning, and thanks for Abby and Jacob for leading us in this time as well. I tried the corona uh, mask uh, protection this week, and I've got to say to you, it was a little disorganized. I put on one of the masks, I'm hoping it was a different one to the one that Jacob just wore, and I walked out the the front door, and I was walking down the street to get my coffee, as I usually do over at the cafe, and one of my neighbors was walking down on the other side, on the other side of the footpath, that is, and I just started the conversation as though, you know, she would recognize me because I recognized her. And I tell you, she treated me like I was some sort of desperado or some bandit because she just kind of did this sort of wide sort of berth around me with this kind of uh, curious look on her face. So that was a big fail. Um, a big embarrassment. And so if you're going to be wearing the mask um, out in public and you meet someone that you know they might not actually know it's you. So you might need to change the way in which you do your greetings. It was really good to gather with a number of us this week on Thursday evening because we gathered together to pray for Arnie and Nat. For those of you who aren't aware, Arnie is in the midst of a great struggle with his health. And so we called on the church community to gather to pray. And um, it was marvelous to be able to do that together. And I would encourage you to pray for him, pray for um, strength. At this time, God's gracious power and strength to sustain both uh, Arnie and Nat. Um, secondly, for a great intervention—a um, miraculous, powerful intervention in Arnie's life—because that's what he needs. And thirdly, for them to be surrounded by the powerful presence of God's love in the midst of this time. And so, might I encourage you to do that when you are nudged and prompted, when you're woken up in the middle of night, when you're walking, in the, when you remember that couple. Would you pray? And Arnie and Nat, if you tuned in with us this morning, want you to know that even whilst we're apart. That you were not alone, that we are here with you together as a family. And so we'll continue to pray for you and stand with you. Well, we've been exploring this series in the book of Ephesians. Paul a would-be follower of Jesus who used to persecute people who were followers, had a radical encounter with Jesus and it transformed his life. And he's in prison um, and he's writing to some followers of Jesus who are situated around the, uh, the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And he is writing about the new life that's come into being since they placed their confident trust in Jesus. And he's writing to them to encourage them as well as to Describe the implications of what it means for them having come to know him and is putting pen to paper and is writing down his thoughts. And over the past weeks, we've, we've explored what his encouragements, what the implications are for following Jesus. And he reminded them at the very beginning that they have been chosen in him before the beginning of time. They have a new identity that's wrapped up in him that Not only have they been chosen by him, but they've actually been seated with him right now in the heavenlies. And they've been inviting him and encouraging. He's been inviting them and encouraging them to believe that. That right now their real identity has been seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. And and then uh, we talked about um, being shaped into his likeness. Uh, That the implications of following Jesus and knowing him is that when we all act together, those who follow him, all the different parts of the body working together are to be for the purpose of shaping one another into the very likeness of Jesus. And, and, And last week we talked about being changed. That is that putting off some old clothes and putting on some new clothes, getting changed for Jesus, because this new life that's come into being is now going to be lived out and manifest here on earth. The future has broken into the present. And so there's this powerful sense in which we are being changed and transformed. And today, as we finish off our series, I want to talk about staying strong. Paul wants to win impress upon them in his final words that he wants them to be strong, to stay strong, to stand strong. And so he writes these words, a final word, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. As he's finishing off the letter and before it's being sent, he's got this final picture, this final word, this final idea that he wants to convey to them. And I kind of have this sense, if you've ever been at an airport before and you're saying your farewells to people, maybe it's a loved one who's going away for some months or for some years, uh, you're wanting to impress upon them your final words. Or maybe you're a teacher and it's coming exam time and you've clustered all of your students together and you've been investing in them and you want to give them the final word before they go into their exam time so that they will do their best and so you you huddle them together and you've got the final words of instruction or maybe you're a coach and have this, this picture of a, you've been coaching your team and it's the final quarter, it's the grand final and you've gathered them all together in and you've got a final word that you want to say to them, some instructions. Or maybe you're a, a parent who's... Um, waving their daughter or their son off goodbye as they head up to university interstate and you've got a final word for them in fact most families and you can probably imagine your own they have the final words of instruction and for some of us they're a bit older some of those final words have probably been embedded into your senses in fact you might even be repeating them I know some of the final instructions that I received, it would either be take care and don't do anything silly when you're going out to drive. Or when I'm going off to classes, uh, my mother would say, now, if you have any questions, I want you to ask questions. Because if you have a question, the chances are that everyone else is thinking it. But I want you to ask the question so that you're helping out everyone else. And I wonder what it might be for you. What is it that jumps to mind? And for Paul, he wants to give them the final word. And he says these words, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Why? Because there's always a cold wind blowing somewhere. There's always someone or something wanting to knock us off our perch that want us to be shipwrecked, blown off course, distracted, dispirited, discouraged. And he's aware that the world is not a neutral canvas. And so he's writing to them and saying, the last thing, the last words that I have for you is, I want you to be strong In the Lord and in His mighty power. Last week, it must have been a Saturday, I walked out the front door and I had this beautiful picture just down the laneway came this father and a daughter and she was just learning to ride her bike. Do you remember that? Well, it was one of those tiny little bikes that had training wheels on. And she had the helmet. I think she had the streamers on the handlebars. She was all decked up, ready to go. And as she was riding, it was this funny, curious little picture. You'd know it very well. Because she had the training wheels on and she hadn't learned to balance yet. So she was leaning in on one of the wheels. (laughs) And she was pedaling with all of her might. And right beside her was her father and he had his hand on the seat and his other hand rested on the handlebars and he was holding her and keeping her steady whilst she was leaning in on one wheel. It was this beautiful picture as she was pedaling as hard as she could. It was actually the strong, uh, presence of a parent that was holding onto her and directing her and steering her right on course, and I had this wonderful little picture this moment where I looked at it and said that 's perfect because uh, when the world presses in and and when the, the powers close in, we need to lean in and that 's exactly what this little picture of of the tall, strong parent guiding this little child she was leaning in whilst he was holding on and directing the course and If Paul was to impress upon them one final word, I think it would be something in with that image. I want you to keep that image in the forefront of your mind. is That when the world presses down and the forces close in, you want to be strong? We need to learn to lean in. And so he goes on and he says these words. He says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You see, Paul's more than aware that there is a seen world and an unseen world. And that in the unseen world, they should be aware, but not be afraid. He's wanting to say to them, I, I want you to be not afraid of the unseen world, but I want you to be aware. Because behind the unseen world are, are the powers are the powers that are wanting to subvert everything of God's good creation. And if they can, they want to steer you off course. They want to distract you. They want to discourage you. They want to head you towards a shipwreck, if so be. And he wants us to be aware. I wonder if you've ever tried to do anything for God and you've just found yourself bumping into a series of obstacles. It's not just that it's any one particular obstacle, but it's the accumulation of obstacles that has made you question and wonder, is there something else going on around me that I am unaware of? Because it seems as though this is much harder work than I anticipated. I wonder if you've ever been caught up with, a, it feels like sort of an assault on you. Maybe there is um, a sense of discouragement or a sense of despondency in your life that you can't account for but any for particular any reason but you just know you feel it maybe it comes in waves in surges maybe there's a temptation maybe there's a distraction Maybe you're feeling bombarded from all different sides and you just don't know why you can't account for it. And sure, it might be just natural causes and natural things, but there's this little voice that goes on in the back of your head or this sense that maybe there's something more going on than what meets the eye. You see, Paul lived in his ancient world in a time in which they viewed the world as a contested reality. That their bodies were porous and there was gods and goddesses of the Greco-Roman world and they were fickle. And and the people who lived in that world needed to attract the attention of the various gods in order to get safe passage from place to place. They were a people caught up in superstition that looked for omens. and, And from a Jewish perspective, as Paul looked at that world, they really believed that there was only one God and he was powerful over all. But there was also an adversary. That he, an adversary that would also be uh, uh, prowling around, wanting to distort and to defame and, and to deface anything of God's good creation. And throughout the centuries in Jewish culture, that had been given a, a name to this adversary, uh, known as the evil one or Beelzebub or the Satan or the devil. And it's not as though he was equal to in power, he was subordinate to God, but equally so. He was an adversary that wants to, if you like, tempt those who follow, distract those who place their hope in, defeat those who are wanting to follow. And he's an adversary that wants to deface anything of God's good creation. And they believed in that embedded world that there was a seen world and an unseen world. Now, we have to pause at this moment because as soon as I say those things, I'm aware that we live in a modern context. We live in a modern context that's been taught over the last 500 years through the um, great advancement of technology and and scientific endeavor that anything that is unseen has been explained through the explanatory power of natural causes. If you like, that all of the, the unseen world and those superstitions have been eroded because now we have a natural explanation for them all. Whilst I think that Uh, Science is a wonderful endeavor and the technologies that we have are incredible. I believe it's a great overreach to believe and assume that all of the powers have been explained away. You see, science can't explain why I had a conversation with God many years ago in a room in Portland, Oregon in the United States, 12,000 miles away from home. And I felt God speak to me and say some words about a friend of mine back at home, and without any communication to him, uh, 12 hours later, he called me and described those exact events. See, science can't explain those things. Science can't explain that when I was in that Bible college and studying with Brian many years ago, uh, I was working in the library, and we would often interact with the undergrads and people coming through, and we'd ask them their stories How did they arrive at Bible college? What were they doing here? And I remember having a conversation with one guy. And he said, before I came to Bible college, I was actually caught up in the occult. And when I was in that particular scenario, one time I was out in the woods and we were doing our things. And he said, I had a radical encounter with Jesus. He visually appeared before me. And I don't think there was anything involved in smoking or eating that might have manifested that. It was a very real encounter for him. But he said, the reason I'm at Bible college is because I had an apparition of Jesus in the woods. And it's real and it's changed my life. And science can't explain how some years ago, when we sent a group of people over to East Timor to help with the school's development that we were doing... There was a conversation that was had between Cindy and Nikki. They were walking along the road in East Timor. And there, Sean and Ian were walking a little distance behind. And Sean and Ian looking ahead... Uh, they turned to one of them and said, hey, look at those ladies. They've made a friend and they're already chatting to one of the locals because the local's standing between the two of them and having a great old conversation. Meanwhile, by the time when they got to the destination where they were walking to, Ian and Sean came up to uh, Cindy uh, and uh, Nikki and said, um, who is your little friend that you bet along the way? I mean, you guys are so friendly. And they said, what do you mean? What friend? We've just been chatting to ourselves along the road as we've walked about some of the fears and frustrations and challenges that we've been experiencing since we've been here. What are you talking about? We've been interacting with a local friend. You see, the Bible says that sometimes we shouldn't forget doing hospitality because we might have actually entertained an angelic being and we didn't even know it. And that was certainly their encounter in that moment. they felt the encouragement and presence that God was close to them in the midst of their fears and their challenges. You see, and Paul's wanting to say and impress upon those early followers of Jesus and upon us that there is a seen world and an unseen world. And, and we might have been taught in our culture that all there is is here and now and that we dwell in a flat world. But he wants you to be aware that there is an unseen world as well. And he doesn't want you to be afraid of it, but he wants you to stand firm in the midst of it. He wants you to be aware. And so he goes on to describe and to teach what that could look like. And what does it mean to stand firm, to be strong, to lean in, in the midst of the unseen world. When there's times in which we feel like there's a great discouragement or depression or heaviness that's come upon us. And so he describes, if you like, he's in prison and it seems as though he's describing the garb of a Roman centurion. And he's visualizing the different clothing that you need to put on. Last week he was talking about you need to get changed. This week he's wanting to talk about getting dressed. <laughs> and the first thing he says to him is, I want you to stand. You see, when you get dressed... You're not lying in bed when you're waking up in the morning. You need to get up out of bed and stand up. You don't lie on the ground to get dressed. You actually have to physically stand up. And so he's imagining a soldier that's standing up and he says this. He says, what I want you to do is when you put on a belt, I want you to imagine that it's like this belt of truth. And, and the truth is a person and his name's Jesus. A truth isn't some proposition that's floating around in space and time. Truth is a person personified in the flesh. Remember that? When Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life, he meant it. If you want to know what's true, if you want to know what's solid, if you want to know what you're grounded upon in your faith, then you need to remember that Jesus is truth. The world began with him. It'll finish with him. He's bringing it all together. And that's the truth So I want you to remember that. And then he envisages, if you like, that there's this breastplate of a soldier that's to protect all the front part of their body. And he uses this word righteousness. It's this big, long, funny word, but it's powerful. It's got more to do with it. This It's got more than just being right in mind or goodness or loyalty or faithfulness, although it gathers up all of those ideas and they're true of who God is. But he says, the truth is that when you came to know Jesus, he put you to right with him. He washed you clean. He broke the powers of sin and death over your life. And he welcomed you home. And he has put you right with him. And that's the truth. And then he envisages putting on some shoes. And he says, these are the shoes that carry the message of the gospel of peace. And he says that that message of peace is exactly what Jesus came to do to make peace between God and humankind, to reconcile his world and his dwelling with the world of the earth and flesh and blood that we dwell in. And his message is one of peace. Do you remember the time in which you came to know Jesus? Do you remember experiencing some of the peace in your own life that you couldn't account for apart from his powerful presence? And Paul's wanting to remind them of that peace, that he is the peace. And then he goes on and he envisages taking up a shield of faith by which they can actually ward off arrows and missiles and targets that are being thrown at them. And he says, that faith is, remember that settled conviction you had that when you heard about the message that Jesus had died and risen to new life again, that he is seated in the heavenlies and that he is the world's true Lord and Israel's Messiah and King. The Caesar who stands and sits on the throne in Rome is only a parody of the reality. The reality is is that Jesus is alive and he is the King of the world. Remember how you placed your settled conviction into that message? Well, I want you to hold on to that amidst some of the barbs and the arrows that can be thrown at you and around you. And then he goes on and he says, and remember, when you put that helmet on, like a soldier would do, it was as though you were putting on this helmet that would protect your head. But he says, I want you to envisage that that, that is actually something that is protected in you and in your life, because the moment in place you, you placed your trust in Jesus, he rescued you, he saved you, he welcomed you into his family. And no one and nothing can take that away from you, because that's secured and it's in him and it's with him. And it's what he does and it's who he is. You have been rescued. You have been saved. And no forces and no powers and no other person on this earth can rob that and take it from you. And then he pauses for a moment, I imagine. And he envisages a sword. (laughs) And he picks up, if you like, that sword in his mind's eye. And he says, this sword, it's the word of God. What is that? It's probably not talking about the entire Bible It's probably talking about the message of Jesus. That as Paul went around the Roman Empire telling people that he'd seen a dead man come back to life, surely he is the one who has power over death and sin and he is bringing a new world. And one day you will stand before him and he'll be the judge and everyone will give an account to him. And what matters is that you are known by him, that you are loved by him and the message that you carry is the word that can cut through all kinds of arguments. It's the message that Jesus rose to new life, and that's the message that you believed in. And so Paul, gathering up all these thoughts and ideas, he's wanting to impress upon them, if you like, the powerful reality of who Jesus is. And he envisages truth that you need to guard yourself with, because sometimes we might doubt. Peace, because sometimes we want to fight this world and repay evil for evil, but we understand it's the peace that transcends all understanding is alive and in us. And he's he's reminding them of they've been put to right. When the evil one comes and tells you about your mistakes, about your failures and how you don't deserve God's love or he wouldn't forgive something that you've done, you can hold on to that and remind yourself that you have been made right and you've been put right with him. And it's because of what he has done that you can hold on to that settled conviction, that faith, that what he's done, he will accomplish in your life. And so you hold on strong to him and you can place on that helmet because you can say back and speak to those thoughts, those emotions, those powers that I know who I am because I've been rescued in him and I've been saved and nothing can take that away. It's because I believe this message that cuts through all kinds of human arguments. It seems foolishness by the way of the world, but I tell you, this is the power and the strength of God and you can know it too. And he's writing to them with his final thoughts, his final words, and he says, I want you to be strong. Be strong. When the powers of this world close in and the world pushes down, I want you to learn to lean in. You see, the way in which we want to struggle in this world, the human way, is to fight might with might. One country gets up enough power and it starts puffing out its chest and posturing itself. And what does the other country do that's threatened? It just breathes in a bit deeper, stands up a bit taller, puffs out a bit broader and and builds more tanks and and weaponizes themselves to protect themselves and it just goes back and forward. Or maybe someone in the workplace, they cut you down with their words and the first inclination you have in your humanness is to fight back and cut down with equal words. Or, Or maybe you're experiencing... Uh, a sense of assault on your own self. You're going through a time of discouragement or, or, or maybe deep depression and you say to yourself, I've got this, I can do this myself. And unwittingly what you do is you say, I want to walk the, the, the road alone, rather than as Paul wants to encourage them to do, is that when those forces press down and the world presses in, I want you to lean in to him. Because it's all about him. It's what he's done. It's who he is. I want you to clothe yourself with him. That's what presses away the darkness and helps you shine with light. In another place, Paul sums up the whole image that he has of this soldier. And getting dressed and standing firm with the simple phrase, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, put on the King Jesus And there will be a power, if you like, in the unseen world that they will see that will stand you firm. So we need to get dressed. We need to get changed from last week. And we need to get dressed. And he finishes off with these words as it naturally tips over to the, if you like, the outworking of this image that he's been describing. He says, I want you to pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. I want you to stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Because everyone is going through a season and a time. And collectively together, we need to stand strong and pray into the unseen world. Asking him, the one who has it all and has done it all, to release his powers to do the work that we cannot see ourselves. But we sometimes experience it in our own realm. He says, I want you to become in tune with the spirit. And when he nudges you, when he wakes you, when he arouses you and stirs you to pray for certain things that you would engage with him and do just that. I remember many years ago as a young boy. Walking into my parents' bedroom. And seeing a father who was kneeling down with his hands clasped and his head bowed, praying. And I think if I had have nudged into him and sort of caught his attention at that moment and asked, Hey dad, what are you doing? He might equally have said to me, son, I'm learning to be strong. I'm Growing strong. You see, the strength of this world wants to build up might and force with their own flesh and strength and power. But God says, the Bible says, that the ways of man are foolishness to God. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways we cannot fathom. you want to be strong? I think Paul would whisper loudly, learn to lean in. Because it's when you bow your knees, when you bow your head, when you pray and you ask the one who is unseen to do his unseen powerful work. That's when you call upon his might and his authority and his power to do things that you and I cannot do for ourselves. What are we doing when we pray? We're not getting weak. We're becoming strong. And sending roots down deep into the power source that has defeated it all. You see, when Jesus came walking into Galilee with a message of the kingdom of heaven has come to earth and it's coming in me and in my fullness He would walk into a synagogue and someone with an evil spirit that would be oppressing them would, all of a sudden, the spirit would speak out and say, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And he would say, be quiet, and the spirit would be stilled. You see, he has authority over the unseen world. When leaders from Jerusalem came to him and said, well, we know you're doing powerful deeds, but we believe the deeds that you're doing are by the devil himself, the evil one. Is doing the works for the evil one. They didn't question that he had power. They questioned the power source from which he drew his strength. And Jesus said, that doesn't make sense. How could Satan work against Satan? Now I tell you this, how can someone come and plunder your house unless he's already gone in and he's overwhelmed the strong man? Only then can he go into someone's house and plunder it. And he was implying that, I tell you this, I have come into the world and I have plundered the strong man. And there is a new kid on the block and there's a new power that's come. And there is a new strength that has arrived. And it's in me and through me because I am bringing the kingdom of heavens to bear in the kingdoms of this earth. And Paul says, I want, you to stand up. I want you to be strong. And how do you do that? You learn to lean in. So I want to hear this morning, how are you tracking in the midst of COVID? Are you in a season of your life where you're distracted? Are you in a season of your life where you are discouraged? The waves of temptation just seem to rise up and beat against you like those powerful waves up on the north coast. Eroding the strength of your face, faith and your will to continue on. I wonder if you're finding yourself just being distracted and maybe just being steered off course. If Paul might whisper to you, hey remember my final words. Be strong and in the strength of his power. Because it's all about him. You've been chosen in him. You've been seated with him. You are being transformed into and shaped into his likeness. You've been changed by him and for him. And what I want you to do is remember to stand firm in him. So put on the belt Put on the plate, put on the shoes, put on the helmet, put on the shield, put on the sword. Every day, get dressed and then learn the language of prayer. It might seem weak in the ways of the world, but it is strength and power of God. So as we pause in this moment, I wonder how. God might be speaking to you today. Are you in the course of maybe being choked out of your faith? You started strong. But now the worries and the cares of the world seem to be closing in. I wonder if you need to be reminded that In the midst of that assault, that pressure, the world pressing in, the powers closing in. If you need to be reminded today to lean into him. To clothe yourself in your mind with those things and then bend your knees, clasp your hands, bow your head and say, God, would you give me your strength and your power? I wonder if you're being distracted. That you started strong and now you're getting tired and you need God's strength to infuse you with new fresh power and energy. If in this space that we enter into right now, that you might respond to him from your heart. Just honestly. That as we hear the words of this worship song, the one that we heard earlier on at the beginning of the morning, so powerful So good that as a response to him, that you might quietly join in with the song, speak the words, say them in your mind, drink them in to your heart. And in this moment that you might pray and praise, that you might thank God because he sent his son Who pours out his spirit. Because from beginning to the end. From top to bottom. To left to the right. It is all about him. And one day he is bringing this new world to bear. On this one. His realm. His heavens to earth. And it's all going to be summed up in him. So would you lean into him. Today and recharter that course, push back those thoughts, and stand strong in Him.